listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about cult books and interviewing author Erica Boyce Murphy. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm reading a book. You're going to notice a pattern in my reading for the next moment. Um, It's called Working Stiff, Two Years, 262 Bodies, and the Making of a Medical Examiner by Judy Melanick. I listened to that audiobook recently. Did you? Yeah, I talked about it on the show. Oh, that's probably why it was on my list. <laughs> I was like, how did I know about this book? I had no idea, but then it was on my list, and I was like, the oh, this is very relevant for things that uh, are happening to me right now. Not that I'm becoming a medical examiner. Because like, you're chopping up people's bodies. <laughs> um, well, so you know that it's very hard to put down. It's yeah, incredible. It's she good. became a medical examiner. Um, and I won't talk about it too much since you've already talked about it, but it goes through like the different ways people die and like how important autopsies are. It walks you, it's not for the faint of heart no. at all, like trigger warnings for everything. Um, and she was there during nine 11. She was doing, she was a medical examiner during nine 11. So that's super fascinating. Um, I did have this moment while reading this book where I was like, Ooh, I think in another life I could have done this job. I think you would make a really good medical examiner. You're yeah. very no-nonsense. No-nonsense. Also, like, I feel like I'm not that grossed out very easily. I feel like you don't have to deal with people, which I actually kind of would like. like oh, how nice would I, that You just be? kind of, you deal with people, but most of them are dead. Yeah, dead um, people are really polite. Yeah, so I was like, if this whole filmmaking thing doesn't work out for me, then maybe go back to school, become a doctor, be in a me- so in 30 years, I would be a medical examiner because it takes a really long time. Anyway, I love it so far. It's fantastic. Um... Uh, what about you? What, what are you reading? Uh, I am reading a book called Bowl Away by Elizabeth McCracken, and it's a new book. came out in March. Uh, I am a big fan of Elizabeth McCracken. She is she's a literary fiction writer, but with like sort of a weird bent, but not in like a, a horror-y way. Like Amer- imagine Karen Russell or Kelly Link, but not in a genre way. Like her characters are just kind of weird and very quirky, but it's all, all like very, very sweet. And she wrote The Giant's House. Uh, but this book, Bowl Away, is about this woman at the turn of the 20th century in New England, and she is found asleep in a graveyard, and she doesn't won't tell anybody where she came from. She's like this middle-aged woman, and she wakes up in this graveyard, and all she has is like a sack of gold on her and a bunch of like bowling pins. And Oh, because you're saying bowl. Bowl Away. Bowl, okay. And so she, in this small New England town, she opens up candle pin bowling for it, which if you're not from New England, candle pin bowling is a very different kind of bowling where the pins are perfectly straight. They look like candles. They're oh. very thin. And the balls are like the size of a grapefruit. Oh. But are they still lined up like regular? Yes. Oh, interesting. And it was really weird because I grew up in New England and then I moved to California and I was like, wait, why are all these bowling balls are so the, big? Are the lanes the same length? Yeah. Wow, weird. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but it's this woman and she opens up this bowling alley and she's very quirky and weird and she makes friends with all these quirky, weird people. And it's just very cute and sweet and wonderful. And I love it. I'm so, this is one of the books I was like most anticipating this year. So that's Bowl Away by Elizabeth McCracken. And Working Stiff by Judy Melanick. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Ven wrote in with a short story collection book tip. As far as short stories go, I find I really like having a short story anthology on the go at all times on my phone. I grew tired a few years ago of carrying a book around with me everywhere just in case, as I rarely actually got the opportunity to crack it open. And the chances of damaging a book skyrockets when you start hauling it everywhere with you, as I know well. <laughs> 
So I leave my longer books at home these days when I can settle down and read and mostly use short story anthologies as my if I have a minute or I'm waiting on something reads. This works really well for me because I can't read for very long off a screen, so I can't fully commit to the e-reader lifestyle, uh, but catching a few moments here and there works great. It's nice to always have a book of short stories in my pocket, and the more anthologies I get through, the more my pocket collection of short stories grows. It's great. Good tip. I like that. Very good tip. Krista wrote in with some Goodreads tips. Here's how I use Goodreads. I use it as my personal book journal, especially since I started... This is number one. I use it as my personal book journal, especially since I started reading more ebooks and listen to audio. It has become harder for me to keep track of my reading. Goodreads helps with that. I use Want to Read, Currently Reading, Read, Abandoned for Now, and DNF as... Which is Do Not Finish. Oh, Did Not Finish. Okay. As, uh, as shelves to organize my reading with. I currently don't have any shelves by subject, but others do. Number two, I write short reviews mainly for myself, and I mostly write about reactions and thoughts, not real reviews. This is this I also do to help my brain remember what I liked. Number three, after I finish a book I liked, I use Goodreads to spend more time with that story and prolong my pleasure in it by reading reviews of other people who liked it. This is a very important function for me as I don't have many people I can talk in depth about books I read. If I find someone has similar tastes, I try to follow or friend them in hopes of finding more books I might like. And sometimes there is even a personal contact. And five, I am still finding about finding out what other features might be for me. I am not yet very active in groups I've joined, but once I successfully used a group that helps you find out, uh, but once, but I once successfully used a group that helps you find out the title of a book you don't remember. Great. We love it. Yeah. Really good book tips. And one of our beloved Sarah's wrote in with a wheelhouse, uh, anything with lighthouses, uh, Arctic setting, especially if it's a horror slash murder mystery, treasure hunts, Parallel historical and contemporary storylines, librarian slash archivist slash historian protagonist. I like that too, yeah. Historic mysteries, small towns with dark secrets. Yeah, I love that too. Folklore, uh, intergenerational narratives, bonus if the author has included a family tree, (laughs) magical realism, existential horror, maritime sea-based setting, historical fiction mostly post-1800, an unreliable narrator, true crime, neo-Western, or a murder mystery in space. Ooh, yeah. We're on the same page. <laughs> um, bookmark this week. How's it going with the uh, lack of Goodreads? I miss it. Do you? Honestly, I still feel really... It, it's been tough just because, A, I'm on book tour and I'm traveling a ton and I'm so tired. Uh, so my reading schedule has been super wonky this year. But I, st- I gave up on the one-second video thing. Yeah, I remember completely and i still have my like home book journal but i really miss goodreads mm-hmm. and interesting i think i don't know i'm gonna after book tour i'm gonna give another think about my book tracking stuff and think about maybe something else that could help you know maybe i'll revive my litzy account or i'll do something because i just you miss it i miss it i miss right. i don't know I, well i also miss having it on my phone all the time that's the thing i like about it too is that i immediately go and say i read the book so i don't forget that i read it yeah <laughs> otherwise i will forget and a second bookmark very exciting for Bria grant oh yeah if you are in the new york city area and you are going to try becca come see a movie that i'm in called something else it premieres april 26th i believe he's also playing the 27th and maybe the 28th as well um it's called something else um, I am one of the people in it. It also has Henry Zabrowski, who's been on our show. It has Jeremy Gardner in it. Um, it's a cool movie. Um, I think you'll like it, but it's, yeah, it's at the Tribeca Film Festival if you're around. Awesome. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. Sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about cult books, we're going to take a quick break. 
Rhea, you know what I love? What? Book events. I know that about you, actually. And you want to know, uh, and you want to hear about a really cool book event that's happening in New York City in June? Yes, I do. So BookCon is a celebration of books happening June 1st and 2nd in New York City. This really does sound super rad. I know. It is because it's jam-packed with authors you know and love and new ones to discover. You can get your book signed and hear from authors including our girl, Charlie Jane Anders. (gasps) Yep. N.K. Jemison, <gasps> Adam Savage, <gasps> V.E. Schwab, <gasps> Jason Reynolds. I love all of those people. Truly, I've read all of their books. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, meet up with other book lovers and explore our show floor packed with bookish goods and Instagrammable moments. Oh, my God. If you guys go, if y'all go, please send us photos of everything because we want to see all of these really cool Instagrammable bookish goods. I, so you can get tickets now at bookcon2019.com slash readingglasses. We are so bummed that we can't be there. I am still on book tour. I will be in Colorado that weekend, but I really, really wish that I was there. There's going to be so many cool authors, and you can use all the cool tips you've learned of reading glasses about book events and meeting authors while you're there. Yeah, so send us whatever you have because we're very, when you go, we want to see it. Hi, it's Ali Kokesh, one of the cast members of Mission to Zix, a new addition to the Max Fun Network. We're blown away by the welcome we've received from Max Fun listeners, telling us you've discovered the show and are binging it hard, supporting us during the drive, and just being rad humans all around. Mission to Zix is an improvised, obsessively sound designed sci fi comedy epic following a group of ambassadors as they explore the ass end of space. I play Dar, the 12 foot tall omnisexual security officer with furry scales, chest talons, and a series of flaps and shoots that are for. Nah, you know what? You'll figure it out. We'd be delighted if you joined our crew aboard the aging sentient starship, the Bargerian Jade, as we travel the Zix Quadrant, meeting all sorts of weird aliens played by brilliant guest comedians. That's Mission to Zix, Z-Y-X-X. all about books on cults and secret organizations. We both love a good cult book, so we're going to talk about our favorites. First up, Bria, why do you like cult books? Would you want to be in a secret organization? Um, you know the answer to this, and it's one of my greatest fears that I'll actually end up in a cult by accident <laughs> and not realize it. <laughs> don't bring it up. I don't like it. It's a real issue for me. I feel like I am just just sheep-like enough to where I will end up in some sort of cult. So I would never join a secret organization, even just because my fear is that it would might. It could possibly be a cult. I Anyway, my, it was one of my fears growing up, I think due to um, the way, to Waco, that Waco stuff happened mm-hmm. in Texas around the time I was growing up. So I'm very scared of cults. I'm just scared I may end up in one on accident. Um, so I'm fascinated by them, but I would never join one. What about you? Yeah, it's wicked weird that I'm so into cult and secret organization books because I would never, ever, ever fucking want to join okay, one. But, okay, let's let's be real, though. Like, there's no one who's like, I want to join a cult. Yeah, but someone might want to join a secret organization. Which could easily lead, it's a slippery slope. It is a very slippery For slope. For us. Other people, I think, are like, no, I enjoy my secret organization. Here's our secret handshake. You're like, that's a thing, you know. But yeah, no, thank I think you. there's like a lot of people, yeah, who would like that. But I don't think any, but no one is waking up in the morning and go, what if there's a cult I could join? <laughs> People, I think people like secrets, but anything where I have to wear a uniform, do a group activity, sure. have people touch me. Sometimes they're not touching. Oh, I see all those cult documentaries and everyone's hugging. It's mm-hmm, horrifying. Mm-hmm. Or and, and be obligated to do things freaks me out. Mm-hmm. 
That's do fair. not like. You don't want the rules. No, I the don't. rules of the cult is what bothers you. Not, I just don't. Not the cult. Not the taking over your life. I'm the kind of person that like when you were at summer camp and everyone had to do a thing where you yell something at the same time, and I don't do that. I don't like doing things at the same time as everybody else. I don't like holding hands. I don't like hugging. No. Do you no. think there's people who do like that though? Yes. Okay. People love that. Do people stuff. join cults. They're people. That's how they get the cults. It's the hugging. The hugging gets like, you I in. I just want extra hugging every day. I'll go join a cult. How about I join a cult? Well, they've done little bonus scientific hugs. studies where, like, if someone like touches you on the arm, you're like, you know, psychologically more likely to empathize with them and like them because of the human contact. Mm. That's how cults fucking get you. They're like, oh. come, come here, give me a hug, and before you know it, you're wearing a weird uniform and you're sacrificing stuff to a god. I'm suspicious when someone I don't know very well touches my arm. Yeah. Very suspicious. I get. I do not like being touched by people I don't know. But I think that's. It's. I think this I think way this of why life, we can be friends. Yes, because we both are like. It's not a sign that I don't like you. It's just that's who I am as a yeah, person. Yeah. No, I think that's why you and I get along really well because we could just be like, oh, nope, nope. <laughs> uh, when I first meet someone, sometimes if I'm having like an intimate conversation with them, it's like whatever. I will be. I will like touch them because I yeah. want them to know. But it's a sign that I really like you. Yeah. Heart like, same. It's a big thing. Yeah. Heart same. Yeah. And I think maybe this because of the way that we are. That that way of thinking is so porn to us. Is why we're so fast fascinated by it yeah like i love fiction about secret organizations and cult stuff because i want to get in the head of the people who are into it yeah i'm like who enjoys a hug what yeah you, i want to know and i, don't, I, I feel know like about their a, i think the people don't mean to they just are like i enjoy a hug maybe i'll join this cult <laughs> the hug cult slope is so slippery no one's purposely doing it so what are your favorite cult books one of my favorite ones of the last few years i talked about on the show was called gather the daughters which involves both an apocalypse, and a cult on an island. Two things I enjoy. Two <laughs> things I really like. Islands, uh, apocalypses. Oh, you, when you were in Jammer in Hawaii. Yeah, I was reading this in Hawaii, which I really liked it. Um, it's um, really good. It And the apocalypse kind of inspires cults. I mean, this is what happens. When there's apocalyptic things happening, people are like... Everyone wants to band together. They're like, we got to get together. Huggers over here, non-huggers over here. This is our cult. That's your cult. <laughs> cult of non-huggers. Look, I, I would be in a cult if everyone left each other alone. Um, that's probably a cult. There's probably one that exists like that. Um, but just so you know, Gather the Daughters, trigger warnings for a lot of things. Go check that out if you're going to read that book. Another book I really like this more of a secret organization one, not culty, is called Progeny, which is about the like this descendant of Elizabeth Bathory. Um, people call her the first female serial killer. That's... We don't really know if that's true, but maybe yeah. she was the first. She killed, they think she killed women, um, other women. Um, and it's basically a secret society um, comes after her. This descendant of, she finds out she's a descendant of Elizabeth Bathory, and the society comes after her. And guess what? There's another society that also is going to save her. Whoa, so she becomes this like thing. In the, yeah, two societies. It's pretty exciting. Another secret organization, one that I like, I guess I do like these books because I have quite you a do. lot. A lot of them came to mind. Um, is the one is called The First 15 Lives of Harry August. There's a lot of books with this similar title. Actually, yeah, the book one we're talking the about. The one we're talking today. about today, but this one's called The First 15 Lives of Harry August about a man who is born over and over again. Like, so he's born in the same as the same baby. <laughs> oh, we've talked about this. Yeah, we have. Just the way I'm describing it is really weird. He's born as the same baby at the same time, but each time he has the memories of his past life, so he has so to live horrifying. through like Can childhood. Can you imagine again. having to be a baby but know things? Yeah, and relearn to walk and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but there's a secret society element to it of people who have also been born over and over again. I don't feel like that's too much of a spoiler, but I really liked that book as well. Um, what about you? Do you, what? Are, what are your favorite like 
fiction called books? Uh, yeah, I really liked Emma Klein's The Girls, which is uh, it's about a girl who is like very briefly in the like um, the Manson cult, and like it really delves into that psychology of like you know people who are outsiders people who don't have a family or don't have a group and like how they're really susceptible to these people because you start hanging out with these cult people and you're like oh they all accept me and they love me and they're hugging me and we're all hanging out together and pretty soon you're fucking in a fucking cult uh but that psychology like fiction that goes into that is very interesting and emma klein does it really well uh this one book that's bonkers crazy called uh it's ania alborn's within these walls it's like a ghost story and a cult book in one because the ghost in the house used to be the leader of a cult and you find out that the cult people are trying to bring him back oh wow yeah that's a good i like that cult trope where it's like someone dies in the cult's like we got to bring this guy back we yeah. got to do it oh it's really creepy yeah, it's, it's very very good and then uh the miseducation of cameron post by emily m danforth is really good it's about a girl who gets sent away to gay conversion camp They're, and they just made it into a movie yeah yes a very good movie mm. female directed fantastic mm. uh with uh uh chloe chloe grace moretz yeah yes she's Sounds really right. good uh but you know it's this girl she's a lesbian she grows up and i think it's like uh montana or something and she gets found out and gets sent away to can't get gay conversion camp but it's amazing because you get to see both sides of it because all the teenagers most of the teenagers don't believe in it they just can't wait to get out mm -hmm. but you can see the mindset of some of the people who like really get on board with hating themselves and like get into this like weird gay conversion cult mindset. And it's so sad and tragic, but it's beautifully written. It's a really fantastic book. Um, I gotta say the Da Vinci code is actually the book that got me into books totally. about secret yeah, societies. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Actually. I'm with you. Yeah. It's, it's just exciting. I read it when I was in middle school with my grandfather and I loved it. Now I'll read any book. If you say it has a secret society in it, especially if there's like horror involved. Mm -hmm. I think people like secrets. People like this idea that there's a secret narrative to things. And people um, obviously, I mean, conspiracy theorists heard of them. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're like, that's their thing, you know? And there's a lot of people and even Though I don't believe in, as I say, in any conspiracy theories. Maybe there's a few I believe in. Who could say? Um, I, I do, I will go down the rabbit hole of, like, seeing their thinking. You know, where I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm kind of interested in, like, this, that there is the possibility of a secret world. I think that's just my interest in science fiction, though. My interest yeah. in science fiction. I don't think it's actual that I believe it. But, um, yeah, I do. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone loved Mel and Kids by Edgar Cantaro, but I really love the book that came before that. Not that I don't love metal and kids, but I love this book called The Supernatural Enhancements because uh, it's about a secret society, but it also has a ghost element. And there's this house that's haunted. But these people come to this house and it's this weird secret society where like once every year, all of them, all these people get a vision and they get a vision of a different person. And every year it's a different person, but this each person represents a different archetype. Oh, cool. And it's their mission to, tr and they just get a quick ver vision of like who this person is, like a couple seconds of them in a place in the world. And it, for the next year, they have to try to find that person. Like there's the juggernaut, there's the something, like they're all like, they all have these like archetypes that they fulfill. And they're trying to like solve this puzzle and try to find these people. It's super fascinating. It's so good. So that's again the supernatural enhancements by Edgar Cantaro. So, but Bria, do you ever read nonfiction about secret societies or cults? Yeah, I will pick these up occasionally. I think it's like part of my like um my weird like I just want to make sure I don't accidentally join a cult. So like I'll read a book about <laughs> a cult. Stay updated, to be like, stay focused. It, did I accidentally write this? Is yeah, this be about informed. Me? This is my memoir. <laughs> like and just to make sure I didn't accidentally. Yeah, what's going on with cults these days? Yeah. What's the newest cult way? watch? Are they still doing brochures? Are did, they is it an internet? No pamphlets? Thing? <laughs> no pamphlets? Didn't they have that in the eighties? They had cult watch. 
They had what? They had a cult watch in the 80s. Yeah, I believe that. The 80s was a big time for fear of cults, for sure. Oh, my God. We should write a book where we're the cult watchers. <laughs> but who like, will watch the cult watchers? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you doing over there? There's too many people. Are you in a cult? <laughs> Looks like you're in a cult. <laughs> you're all wearing the same t-shirt. What are you doing? It's like when you, um, do you know that if right now if you Google hashtag horror on Instagram, a thing pops up that says, not Google, if you like search for that on Instagram, a thing pops up that says, people who search this sometimes have ish- have mental health issues. Do you need help or do you want to keep searching? So to maybe make sure he- you're not in a cult? No, that was for horror. But oh. maybe you should have one that pops up. Hashtag cult. Dumb. But uh, that says, hey, are you accidentally trying to join a cult? <laughs> like, maybe you should take a moment. Have you hugged too many people today? <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, I do. I'll pick these up occasionally. One that sticks with me was called Breaking Free. It's a long title. Breaking Free, How I Escaped Polygamy, the FLDS Cult, and My Father, Warren Jeffs, <laughs> which is really intense. Um I think those the F, the FLDS ones are pretty good. Um, also, the book that just came out, Educated by Tara Westover, I would say is a cult book. If your family, it has a cult. It's basically her family is the cult, but they have such like insider. I mean, that's the thing about a cult, right? It's like the, there's you versus us. Yeah. And like we know what we're doing. We have this secret to the world. Like we know what's happening. No one else understands and you're not part of us. And that's sort of what that uh, Tara Westover book is about. It's a memoir about growing up and her family didn't believe in school or not really letting her leave the house or things like that. And then uh, her discovering a world sort of outside of that, which is really interesting. But yeah, I'll really go. I'll I'll pick these up occasionally. It has to like be recommended, I think, by someone. Yeah. I have a friend, Laura, who reads a ton of these books, nonfiction wise. Like she loves them. So I am always I she's my go to for that. Laura's really up on making sure she's not in a cult. She knows she is not in a cult. She'd be the last person I know to join a cult, actually. <laughs> What about you? Do you pick up the nonfiction ones? No, it's too stressful. Uh, no, I, every once in a while I will pick some up. Uh, Educated by Tara Westover is on my Libby Holds list right yeah, now. It's great. You'll love it. Um, it, it's, it is hard to find good nonfiction on secret societies that isn't all like super wacky and conspiracy right. theory. <laughs> like, also, don't forget about Pizza Rat and the, <laughs> you know, the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Alan read one like recently because it was like, ooh, conspiracy theories and secret societies book. And it was like, it's so wacky that he was reading me like parts of it and it was just like oh like be careful be, be careful of the fishmen and like oh, all no. kind of, it was like too much so if um if there is a really good um uh book on like nonfiction book on secret societies i will pick it up but it is hard to find them and some of the memoirs are just they're too stressful for me like i want the kool-aid man to burst in there and rescue everybody yeah like i just it's it is really hard for me because i I have a weird thing about boundaries. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I get really nervous when people I don't know are in my house. I don't like being touched by people I don't know. So reading a nonfiction, like a memoir about being in a cult, I'm just like, run away, run away and hide in a tree. And like, I get there are so many complicated reasons why people don't, but it makes me so stressed out. It's like reading about snakes. Like, I'm just like, too stressed. Can't, can't do it. Um, I had a teacher in high school, a substitute teacher. She wasn't a regular teacher. And she was a real big believer in conspiracy theories. And she taught us in one class that no one ever landed on the moon because <gasps> uh, she said it wasn't in the Bible. Fascinating. Uh, uh, shout out to the Marshall Public School System. Um, and uh, the, also she taught us about lizard men, you know, that all the like famous, pres- all pre- famous presidents, but a lot of the presidents she thought were lizard men. And then her big thing was that Reagan was a descendant of Hitler. And she, she her justification was, just put a mustache on him. Put a mustache on him. If you put a mustache on him, it looks just like Hitler. Oh, my God. Can I, can I just say this? If you put a Hitler mustache on anybody, they look like Hitler. 
That's the oh, my brain is like spinning right now. Oh dear God. Anyway, that was a substitute teacher. I really, I really. When she was around, I was like, we don't have to learn anything today. She's gonna just tell us her conspiracy theories. Oh my good God. You can recommend your favorite books on secret societies and cults by sending them to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author Erica Boyce Murphy, we're gonna take a quick break. It's new promo time, James. Ooh, what you got, Aneke? How about this? You need more black friends, Minority Corner, every Friday. Uh, okay, but girl, that doesn't say anything about how we're a podcast that talks about queer issues, race, politics, and pop culture. Now it does, because I've already hit record. Oh, girl, you so sneaky. You be Linda tripping me. Minority Corner. Learn, laugh, and play. All from a perspective that's black, queer, and ladylike. Because nobody puts minorities in the corner. Every Friday. <laughs> So, hi, we're here with Erica Boyce. Thanks for coming on the show, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. What are you reading right now? Um, I just started The Perfect Mother by Amy Malloy, which is a nice, creepy domestic thriller about a group of new moms living in New York and what happens to them after one of their babies goes missing. So that's been a fun one so far. Oh, that sounds so spooky. It is a little spooky. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us about your new book, the, the 15 Wonders of Daniel Green? Sure. Uh, it's about a guy named Daniel Green who's part of a secret group of people who make crop circles. Uh, he gets hired by a farmer in Vermont who's dying of cancer to make a crop circle in his field. Uh, and then Daniel gets sucked into the farmer's family's efforts to sort of pull itself back together before the dad dies and drama ensues. Um, I, I love it so far. Um, oh, I'm about halfway yeah. through. It's very good. Um, thank you so much. I have to ask you, though, have you ever seen a crop circle? Like, did you go do work and research on them? Um, I wish I had. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen one in person. I watched a lot of YouTube videos and made a lot of <laughs> Google image searches while I was writing, but um, I haven't actually ever seen one in person, so I'll have to add it to my list. Um, yeah, I haven't either, but I would really like to see one. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to find them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so to prepare for this, this whole episode we're doing is about secret organizations. Um, did you um, read any books about secret organizations? Because the crop circlers, that's kind of what they are, right? Yeah, so I did. So the crop circle organization is actually a real thing. Um, I made up a lot of the specifics in my book, but there is a group of people that started in the UK a few decades ago. Um, and as far as I know, they're still going around making crop circles in people's fields. Um, sure. Yeah. And one of the spokespeople for the group is named Rob Irving, and he wrote a book called The Field Guide, The Art History and Philosophy of Crop Circle Making, uh, which I read several times during the writing process. <laughs> it's pretty deep into the nitty gritty of making crop circles in there. It's really kind of cool and fascinating. And would you want to be a part of a secret organization, crop circle or otherwise? Uh, I would love to, but I don't think I'd be very good at it. <laughs> um, I'm one of those people who's like really good at keeping secrets until one day I break down and just like verbal vomit them all over one of my friends. Um, so I'd probably blow its cover after a few weeks. <laughs> so you'd be like tell the secret organization's secrets? Like it would yeah. not be a secret anymore? Yeah. Really I'd come cool. home and be like, wait till you hear what I did today. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, about your reading life. Um, do you have any reading quirks you want to share with us? 
So I used to have a personal policy where I only bought a book if it was over 400 pages because otherwise I'd finish it too quickly. Um, <laughs> I sort of stopped doing that after I got my book deal because I came to find out that most debut novels, mine included, are around 300 pages and I figured it'd be pretty bad form to refuse to buy books by my fellow debuts. Um, and then I had to laugh when I was listening to your episode a few episodes ago where Mallory was talking about cracking the spines of books. Um, I'm exactly the same way. Uh, if you see a book on my shelves with cracks all over the spine, there's probably some like food stains in there too. Cause I just couldn't put it down. <laughs> oh wait. So I have a question. So most debut mo- novels are 350 pages. Is there a reason for that? Or do you know? That's what they say. I mean, when I was first starting to like go into this world, um, a lot of people said that publishers, it's hard for publishers to take a risk on a debut novel that's like 600 pages or whatever, when they don't know if like that author is going to draw an audience and like, you know, it costs more money to print that many pages. So um, that's what I heard. And that's sort of what I've heard also from agents and people like that who know more than I do about it. So So did you end up cutting some of your your debut new novel, your first book, and to um, make it that length? I did not. I sort of am on the other end when I'm writing. I'm like sort of – I write something and it's like 200 pages and I'm like, well, that's everything. <laughs> I sort of have to like – you know, I give it to my agent. He's like, let's like flesh this part out a little bit. <laughs> Um, so it sort of grew to the right length. <laughs> You're just concise. You're to the point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> concise and bad at keeping secrets. That's, yeah. that's who you are. <laughs> in a nutshell. Yep. <laughs> um, what about your reader wheelhouse? Is there anything that would make you absolutely pick up a book if you see it? Uh, I am a sucker for 90s nostalgia music <gasps> and female friendships all of which may or may not be a spoiler for a new book I'm in the process of outlining. Ooh. <laughs> trying to combine them all. So we'll see. It's, you know, an endless process trying to get through that. But um, I love reading books about that. And I think there's a lot more books recently about 90s nostalgia, which is like just perfect for me. <laughs> it's like I'm a sucker. I love that kind of stuff too. And I feel like it's because we're like of a certain age where like now right. – yeah like we're just like those people are now writing books they're like old enough to write books (laughs) exactly exactly I read um Celeste Ng's uh Little Fires Everywhere she had a reference to Delia's in there and I'm like oh man Delia's Delia's in forever oh my god did you not just used to pour over that catalog like these were like so cool yeah And like the super baggy, like bell bottom jeans that were flattering on pretty much no one, but wearing them. So, yeah. And all those girls like had cool hair. Like everything about them was cool. (laughs) They had the like little butterfly clips all over the place. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to be one so bad. Um, (laughs) So, where can we find you online? Where can we find your book? Um, Tell us everything. Yeah. So, by the time this comes out, my book will have come out. Um, it's coming out on April 2nd. So it should be, it'll be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and hopefully at your independent bookstore, uh, you know, all those good places uh, and on Kindle too. Uh, I have a monthly-ish newsletter that you can sign up for on my website, ericavoice.com, where I give away one of my favorite books to a subscriber every newsletter. So um, just sign up there. Wow. Like you buy um, it or it's one you've, like your personal book, The Spine You Have Cracked. 
Um, I well, I buy it because I don't think anyone wants my food stained old copies. <laughs> okay, fair. fair. <laughs> I forge and buy fresh, freshy for the um, for the people. Um, but I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Voice Babbles. Um, I suck at Twitter and Facebook, but I'm okay at Instagram. So that's probably Good. the best place to find me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Alexis writes in, For the last few years, I've been enjoying using Goodreads to organize my TBR list, find new books, chat with friends, and review books. I enjoy leaving ratings and reviews when I finish a book, and I use the reviews of others to help me decide what to read next. However, I've noticed lately that as I'm reading, I'm thinking more about what my rating will be and what my review will say than about the book itself. I feel like I'm constantly writing book reports. Even when I decide not to leave a review, I'm still constantly thinking about how many stars I'll give the book. How can I keep using these community features but get back to focusing on the story? Bria, what should, what should Alexis do? So we've had similar questions like this before. Like People, people who get just, really re- re- wound up about I think this is reviews. also, like, don't you think this is the type of person who is just a big reader? Where we're yes. just, we plan. We're on top of things. We know what our plan is for the next thing we're going to do. We're, like, ready to go. And I think that, like, um, Alexis, this is just, like, what happens when you are, like, a person with a really active mind. Yes. Um, but I love that sure. Alexis is using a bookish community. It's really good to participate on the site. Like, don't feel like you have to steer clear of it. But I stole, I stole Mallory's system for, for Goodreads, even though she's not on it anymore. So I'll let her explain what she does. Yeah, I, I used to be like this. I would hem and haw and be like, oh, my God, is it a two? Is it a three? Oh, it really should be a three and a half. Alexis, I think you really need to simplify your system. And I hear you. It's really easy to get wrapped up in a review. So when I still use Goodreads, I had three ratings. It was one of the three. If I loved the book, five stars. If I liked it, four stars. Anything less than that, no rating. Unless it was like a problematic book that was like racist or fat phobic or transphobic in some way. This way, you get to focus on the most important thing, whether or not you liked the book. Mm-hmm. That's really it. Yeah. All, the entire time you're reading it, all you have to focus on is whether or not you liked it. And even like sometimes I read a book and I think I'm going to really like it and the ending isn't great. But even then, you don't have to worry about it until the very end. And when you're when you close that last page, you can be like, all right, did I love this? Did I like it? That's all you have to worry about. So just keep asking yourself that question. Do I like this? Am I crazy about it? And that question's really easy to answer. You don't have to get bogged down in nuance. That's the thing. On Goodreads, people just look at these Goodreads things. They want to know how many people have read it, how many people have liked it. You know, most of the time when people read a review, they're only doing it after they've already read the book. So you don't have to worry about whether or not people, your nuanced review is going to convince somebody to read it. You just have to worry about how your own feelings of the book are. And if you simplify those, I think it's so much easier to just focus on loving reading. Yeah, I I rarely write a review. Sometimes I will have a book like really inspires me and I'm like you know what I do feel like I have something to say where I'm like this is this meets this and you should know that that's what it is or I don't feel like enough people have read this book then I will like definitely like try to write something down if there's already 1,000 reviews I'm sort of like I don't know if they need me um if you are a really good writer and you feel like that you need to contribute just think of the review after and think of it as like sort of a post-mortem you know like this is like you've digested the book you don't you can't write it before you actually read the whole book. So like I think you can just focus on the book in that way. 
Yeah. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are in our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. You can show off your love of reading and support the show. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. It helps us look really cool and get more awesome guests. It really, really makes a big difference for us. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for, for reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.